I'm breaking down my biggest takeaways from studying the film of the Buffalo Bills preseason loss to the Steelers today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate you all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. You get last-minute tickets, the lowest price guaranteed. All right, folks, we did this last week after the Bills' preseason win over the Colts, and we're going to do it again this week for the preseason loss to the Steelers. I have studied the game film. I watched the All-22, and I have plenty to discuss regarding my observations. And so I want to hit the hot-button stuff. I want to talk about the pass protection. I know that that's a big, big storyline coming out of this game was the pressure that Josh Allen was under, you know, who was at fault. Well, I'm going to tell you all about that. Then I'm going to get into the offensive rookies, right? There's several of those, Justin Shorter, Dalton Kincaid, Osiris Torrance, Nick Broker. Want to discuss that, some other offensive standouts, and then shift our attention to the defense where we're going to discuss the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the pass rush, all kinds of stuff today. I always love doing the immediate reaction to a game, right? You watch the game, you share your thoughts right away, and that's awesome. But after studying the tape, you really get clarity on what was going on, what went right, what went wrong. And so I can speak today with a lot of confidence in what I'm telling you because I've studied this game film. And I do want to start with pass protection, and I want to focus in on the pass protection with Josh Allen because there are a lot of Bills fans right now that are just in shambles over the way that the Bills pass protection performed against Pittsburgh. And so I went through, I watched every single one of those well, of the entire game, but I want to focus in on this segment on the Josh Allen dropbacks. And I have notes to share with you so we can find trends and really find out what the root cause of any pass protection protection issues were against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's do it. Let's talk about each of these plays and where there was pressure and what went wrong and in some situations what went right. So the first passing attempt, and if you watch the game, this is in chronological order of the passing attempts. I'll highlight the issues. So number one, uh, first passing attempt was a clean pocket for Josh Allen, an easy completion over the middle to Dalton Kincaid. And Dalton Kincaid ran a great route, created easy separation. Everything was clean. Nothing to discuss there. Number two was an incomplete pass on third and two. Josh Allen bailed the pocket early to his right and essentially threw the ball away, but targeted Stefan Diggs. If Josh Allen stays in the pocket, he could very easily set his feet and he had a reasonable throwing window to hit that throw to Stefan Diggs. And uh, instead, he rolls to his right and was not really able to throw an accurate pass. And I would say that any pressure 
was self-inflicted by Josh Allen by unnecessarily rolling to his right. Josh Allen's pocket management is what led to this pressure. Uh, he needed to step up into the pocket. Instead, he unnecessarily bailed to his right, and the fault for any pressure on that play was because of Josh Allen and his pocket management. Number three, shotgun snap from the 17-yard line. Josh Allen faced pressure from his left. Uh, Alex Highsmith, he executed a good speed rush against Deion Dawkins, and Dawkins was working to ride him beyond the peak of the pocket. And I've talked about this before. Sometimes in pass protection, you just want to take somebody where they want to go a little bit more than they want to go there. And so Deion Dawkins did a good job of really forcing Highsmith beyond the peak of the pocket. But once again, Josh Allen's pocket movement was off. He almost immediately, um, despite not having any quick pressure, he immediately bails the pocket and goes to his right. And there's also speed rush on that side. So Josh Allen goes to his right and realizes that he's going to run into pressure after he had no reason, there's no business that he had in the world to do this. He starts going to his right, and as he does this, he freezes. He gains more depth in his drop, and that feeds into where Deion Dawkins is taking the speed rush from Alex Highsmith. And so if Josh Allen steps up into the pocket, it was very clean, and he had a great opportunity to set his feet and throw Instead, he ran around chaotically and hit Gabe Davis over the middle for a completion. It was a nice play, but to just kind of break this down even further, the ball was snapped at the 17-yard line. Josh received the snap at the 14. The pressure comes when Josh Allen's back at the 9-yard line. Now, the completion results in a sizable gain for a first down on a second and eight, but the the person responsible for the pressure here is Josh Allen, and then I guess you could say Deion Dawkins, although... I mean, Josh didn't need to get that extra depth. He didn't need to bail to his right. His pocket management is what I think led to that pressure. Number four, you had a completion to Stefan Diggs on a first and 10 um, on a comeback route to Stefan Diggs. Josh faced a little pressure in his face uh, because DeMarvin, De DeMarvin Leal, the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle, he executed a good bull rush on Osiris Torrance, who got worked back into Allen, and it affected him just a little bit, but it was still good throw. Uh, and completion to Stefan Diggs. I would say the reason for the pressure was uh, Osiris Torrance. His hands were wide and late, and so DeMarvin Leal was able to get into his chest and work him back. And so the pressure on that play, it, the responsibility of that is Osiris Torrance. Number five, his fifth passing attempt, his fifth drop back, second and nine, clean pocket completion to Gabe Davis on an out route for a first down. Good protection, good route, good throw. Number six, an incomplete pass. Josh Allen did face pressure. To, uh, from his left, Nick Herbig, the Steelers' edge rusher, he challenged uh, Deion Dawkins with speed. It was a seven-step drop from Josh Allen, who was under center on the play. He got to the top of that seven-step drop, and then he took three hitches, okay, standing three hitches before he attempted a hurried throw after his fourth hitch. And so, again, I would say this is on Josh Allen, but I guess you could – put a little bit of blame on Deion Dawkins for um, getting worked with speed around his near hip. So I, I don't know. I, I would put that more on Josh Allen uh, for taking seven a seven-step drop, which was the design of the play, but really four hitches at the top of that. I mean, that's plenty of time to get the ball out or step forward. Josh Allen kind of sat there and, and was pressured uh, from his left. The seventh uh, drop back was a screen to Deontay Hardy. Perfectly good throw and catch. Uh, number eight, second and 24, 
Uh, it was taken away by a holding call on Spencer Brown, who also allowed pressure on the play. Marcus Golden was able to get under Spencer Brown's pads, turn him, and then work him back inside. And I would say Brown got out leveraged and he missed with his inside hand. And that allowed for the inside angle to be softened and for Marcus Golden to have a path to Josh Allen. The fault for that pressure was on Spencer Brown. Number nine, you had a screen pass to Latavius Murray on third and a million. I think it was like third and 34, something like that. Number 10, quick throw to Stefan Diggs on a slant. No pressure. It was clean. Number 11, an incomplete throw to Stefan Diggs over the middle. Uh, clean pocket. And uh, it was kind of a disappointing rep because. Stefan Diggs was isolated on Alex Smith or Alex Highsmith in coverage, who's an edge rusher. And Alex Highsmith did a great job, was able to get his hand in there and break up the pass, but no pressure on the play. And then the last passing attempt was uh, number 12. Josh faced pressure from his left from Alex Highsmith. And Alex Highsmith was actually aligned outside of Dalton Kincaid. So uh, Kincaid was in the slot about three yards to Deion Dawkins left and Kincaid was supposed to chip Highsmith and then release into his route. But Kincaid was extremely late out of his stance. He was looking at the ball. The ball was snapped and he, he probably took a, a good half a second to a second to really uh, respond to the snap. And by that time, Highsmith was already around him and Deion Dawkins is left in an impossible position to try to cut off that block uh, because Dalton Kincaid was supposed to get a chip there. And so Josh Allen felt that quickly. He steps up and he ran around and eventually got sacked. But the fault on that to me is Dalton Kincaid for not getting out of his stance and getting a chip on Highsmith to allow Deion Dawkins to have a chance to get uh, his rush cut off. And so you saw 12 dropbacks for Josh Allen. I think he was pressured on six of them, including the one time he was sacked. And when you break down who was at fault, I would say Josh Allen three times it was his fault due to pocket management. Two times, I guess it was Deion Dawkins, but I thought that was more of a result of Josh Allen and his pocket management. So big asterisks, big air quotes around Deion Dawkins for two of them. One was for Spencer Brown, one on Osiris Torrance, and one on Dalton Kincaid. And so I think that's the reality of it. And I've tried to tell you this before where, you know, Josh Allen, certainly there's times where guys get beat. There's times where there's a protection scheme issues, but sometimes it's just Josh Allen and his pocket mo movement and him running into pressure and sometimes escaping clean pockets and stressing his offensive lineman, not to mention that he has a tendency to hold the ball a little bit longer. He'll extend plays. He'll play outside of structure, and that's going to lead to some pressure. And so while you may sit back and say that, you know, Brandon Bean's not giving him enough offensive line help, there's some of this that goes back to Josh Allen and his pocket management, and at times that invites pressure that's unfair to pin back on the offensive line and act like Brandon Bean hasn't done a reasonable job of getting starting caliber offensive linemen in the building. And so that's the beauty of checking the tape is you get clarity, you watch the game live, and you think Josh Allen's running for his life and he's not getting enough help from his offensive line. And then you watch the tape and you realize, you know what? Some of this is Josh's fault. And I think that's really important for us to have the full picture. And I would say collectively, the pass protection when when Matt Barkley and Kyle Allen were in was outstanding. Uh, they dropped back 28 times, and there was four pressures total. And so, you know, obviously it was a little bit more clean when they were in the game, but of the six out of 12 times, 12 dropbacks for Josh Allen, six times he's pressured, three of those I pin right back on Josh Allen. 
Not saying there's not room for improvement, but let's not act like this is an entirely an offensive line issue. Some of this was Josh Allen's pocket management. All right, I want to talk about the offensive rookies and other offensive standouts here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, but you know what? Sometimes it is. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. The Game Time app, folks, it is awesome. They have flash deals. They have last-minute tickets. I love that you can get an image of seat views for the tickets that you're going to purchase. They have great prices, and then that app is so easy to navigate. Check it out. Uh, so much good over that, the Game Time app. And did I mention that they have the last-minute ticket deal? So, you know, sometimes you have a sporting event you want to go to. You're, you're planning for months in advance. Well, Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and you get that seat image uh, before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you get to the event, and then the tickets, they're sent right to your phone, so you never have to dig through your emails to try to find it. It's sent right to your phone, so snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked on NFL for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk more about the offensive performance from studying the film. Hopefully that first segment was insightful for us to really dissect what the root causes of some of those pass protection issues were. Not to mention there's no game planning. Not to mention what Sean McDermott and Eric Wood said after the game in that look. You know, you're facing a 3-4 front, and odd front defense. They've been practicing against even fronts all offseason long. All of the timing and spacing is off. There's a lot of reasons uh, to understand why there were some challenges with the pass protection. So hopefully that walked you off a ledge. And I'm not here to try to talk you off ledges. If there's problems, we can talk about them, and I'm going to get to some of those problems right now and in the next segment. But the reaction to the pass protection stuff out of that Steelers game was not worthy of what the tape actually revealed. That's what I'll say. All right, let's talk about these offensive rookies. A lot of offensive rookies for the Bills. Some really good stuff. We'll start with Dalton Kincaid, and what you watched live obviously matches up with what the tape shows. I mean, three catches on four targets. Uh, should have had four catches on four targets, but the throw on one of those targets was a one-hopper. Uh, 45 yards. Route running was special, right? I think that's the right word. Just special route running, the way that he set up his route stems, the way he was able to create leverage, the way he was able to show separation quickness and catch the ball in stride and just be very quarterback friendly. He was terrific with his route running, with his hands, securing the football consistently away from his body, catching and running. Everything is smooth and nuanced. The dude's going to be a stud. Also averaged nine yards after catch per reception. And that's just a result of good routes, separation, and that ability to catch the football in stride and get up the field. I mean, the guy's the guy's a he's a baller. He's a baller. That's all I can say about Kincaid. The hype's real. Uh, Osiris Torrance, I thought uh, collectively or the in totality, I thought he played a good game. I know in the first segment I talked about the one quick pressure that uh, resulted in some heat on Josh Allen, still a completion there. Uh, that was probably the only blemish that he had. I thought he continued to look strong, smooth, and coordinated. 
He more than holds his own. He looks comfortable out there. Uh, he's really strong, which I really enjoy. And one of the things when you watch the Bills over the last few years with their run game is you just don't see a lot of displacement and people moving out of the way. Osiris Torrance moves people out of the way. Uh, I think he's continuing to make a very, very strong case to be the Bills' starting right guard, and I think he deserves it. Uh, for Justin Shorter, this was a much better performance for Justin Shorter. Last week, uh, pretty quiet, right? No catches. He was on the field for like 17 snaps, uh, ran routes, but wasn't getting open. I think he really showed outstanding game-over-game game improvement. He actually led the Bills in receiving in the game, five catches on six targets, 47 yards, did have a receiving touchdown. But I have some notes here. I mean, the hands were really strong, and that was one of my favorite things about Justin Shorter from watching him in college. It wasn't that he was a great separator or anything like that, but he was able to really pluck the football and show confident, strong hands. I thought he made good adjustments to the football. He won a contested catch as well. And so I thought his hands and ball skills were excellent in this football game. I think his route running was really solid. Uh, he did a good job of establishing leverage at the catch point. He positioned his frame well. I think he was very as clean as he can be in and out of breaks. I thought he was. Did well to set up those route breaks. I think it was a good route running performance for him when you consider what we saw last week and what his college tape revealed. I thought there was great growth there. Um, he had some good blocking reps as well. The Andy Isabella catch and run, part of that was due to Justin Shorter getting a good block in space. And then Shorter played a lot on special teams, 10 special teams reps, and uh, was involved in all four phases of special teams. And so a lot of good indicators for Justin Shorter and his opportunities and how he took advantage of them against Pittsburgh. And so I don't know if it's an Andy Isabella versus Justin Shorter conversation for wide receiver six, uh, but I think both guys are really maximizing their opportunity to make this roster. I thought Nick Broker played really well. Uh, once again, not that he's dynamic in terms of his ability to really just move bodies, but he's just firm, right? He's a guy that um, is under control. Uh, he's doing a good job of sealing rush lanes. His pass protection has been really solid. Uh, two games in a row for Nick Broker, where I thought his preseason performance was really good. I don't know what his path is to the roster. I don't think there is one. I think the interior offensive line collectively played really well in this game. It's going to be a numbers issue for Broker. Uh, but I certainly like the idea of him getting back on the practice squad and hopefully the Bills can can keep him, right? They've had some issues with some of that, with their draft picks getting plucked off the practice squad, whether it's, you know, last year, Jake uh, Jake Fromm, uh, Jack Anderson, Rashad Wild Goose, Isaiah Hodgins, right? They haven't had a lot of success keeping these guys that they put on the practice squad. Hopefully that winds up uh, shifting with Nick Broker because I think there's some, uh, some appeal there that uh, is really positive to see. Now, outside of the rookies, uh, two offensive linemen that I want to discuss, one of them being Ryan Vandemark. Uh, folks, I, I continue to be really impressed with him. Uh, he finished the game at left tackle, so Deion Dawkins was in for the first 27 snaps, and then Vandemark took all the rest of the snaps in the game, so 33 snaps at left tackle, none at right tackle this week. And if you remember my notes from the Colts game, really good at left tackle, had some challenges on the right side. I think he's just more natural on the left side. But I thought Vandemark once again played great. And I think it's one of the biggest storylines, one of the best storylines of the preseason that's just not getting enough attention outside of this podcast. We've certainly talked about it here, but his development and what he's showing in his second season is really good. And, you know, Vandemark originally was a UDFA for the Colts, and he didn't make their active roster 
and he got cut and he had, I think something like 20 different practice squad opportunities. He picked the bills and I think he made a good choice because clearly he's connected with what's going on. He's had a lot of growth um, in the time that he's been with the team. And I think he's positioning himself to absolutely make this roster and be a snap away from being your left tackle. And I would say that sounds crazy, but there's a level of confidence that I'm gaining in watching him play with his control, his athleticism, his length, his coordination. I know he's a taller guy, but there's some good width to him. I like him a lot. Uh, One of my favorite storylines from this preseason. Let's talk about Spencer Brown as well. Um, And you guys know that I've been a bit of a defender for Spencer Brown, mostly because I want to see him really get this opportunity and I'm aware of his story and the physical upside that he has. I'm also very aware of how inconsistent he's been on the field, right? There's a lot of um, me leaning into development happening for Spencer Brown and him finally having a normal offseason to get ready for a season uh, to be able to go in there and execute. But uh, I'll say this, um, in in watching his 19 pass block snaps, um, I charged him with one pressure. We talked about that. It was he actually held on the play, but even Marcus Golden was able to cross his face. He missed with that inside punch with soft angle. He was able to get to Josh. Um, but that was the only pressure that I charged him with. That said, if there's a word that comes to mind when watching his game against Pittsburgh, it's vulnerable. I think he's a very vulnerable player. He's tall, he's narrow, and he struggles to stay latched. And so there's times where he gets really good positioning But because he just has this tall, narrow, angular build about him, it's easy for guys to kind of get to his edges. And when guys get to his edges, it puts them in a state of recovery. And so it puts more on him to play with leveraged hips, puts more on him to play with very good hand technique. And sometimes those things aren't true. And he just looks vulnerable. I mean, even though he only gave up the one pressure against Pittsburgh, there were times where he just had to really work overtime Uh, to fulfill his assignments. Now, when he's out in space and he gets to be an athlete and sometimes when he can run block and work laterally, all that really, really, really looks good. But I'm talking about pass protection and he just looks vulnerable. He looks shaky to me and um, I'm not encouraged, right? That's, I think that's what I would tell you is that uh, for as hopeful as I am with Spencer Brown, I came away from this hoping to see a lot more. And we talked about it in the, in the primer, right? I said, look, he's going to face some good pass rushers. They've got TJ Watt. They've got Alex Highsmith. I even mentioned Nick Herbig as as a guy that you know could present some challenges, and those guys did present challenges. And so, um, hopefully, it's a good opportunity for Spencer to learn and evolve. But I, I keep coming back to just this tall, narrow build that he has, and how difficult it makes him makes for him to stay square. And when guys get to get to his edges, uh, for him to be able to to find what's necessary in terms of leverage, in terms of firm hands, to really um, recover when guys get to his edges. So I, I, I am concerned. I think that's, it's fair to say that and vulnerable, I think is just the right word, uh, to bring up and to invoke when considering what he's looking like right now. Uh, two other notes real quick. David Edwards looked really good at left guard coming in for Connor McGovern, who also played well, especially in pass protection. And then Alec Anderson's another player that uh, continues to impress me. He's showing the ability to play center. I thought he was really, really solid as well, especially in pass protection. So uh, some really good bright spots for the depth of the Bills offensive line with Nick Broker, with Ryan Vandemark, with David Edwards, and with Alec Anderson. I think uh, Vandemark and Edwards will be on the active roster. And then uh, Anderson and uh, Broker, hopefully you get them back on the practice squad and you can continue to work with them. I would also say this, Ike Bucker, 
another rough game, two rough games in a row. I don't feel good about his um, what he's showing out there and uh, that leading to him earning a practice squad. I just I don't see it. I, I don't think he's having a good uh, training camp or preseason to this point. All right, in just a moment, we're going to shift our focus to the defensive side of the football. I know we want to talk linebackers and corners and all that stuff. But first, let's talk about eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Looking for a safe quarterback to take as a starter late after you wait on the position? Then you can ride with Seahawks' Geno Smith, who was the biggest surprise fantasy QB in 2022 and taking over for Russell Wilson. Smith took advantage of a great system under Shane Waldron and was a perfect fit with top wideouts DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Smith is back with Waldron and now has rookie Dynamo Jackson Smith and Jigba too, and he's now established as a solid option. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's close out our discussion today by reflecting on what the film revealed about the defensive side of the football. And so I know the big stuff, the linebackers, the the corners, the long touchdown run, let's get into all of it. Uh, so at linebacker, you saw Tyrell Dotson and A.J. Klein both get first-team reps. And I'll tell you this, I don't think either of them looked awful, but I will tell you that both of them look super ordinary up out there. There's a phrase that we use in the scouting world. It's called, he's a jag. And a jag means he's just a guy, right? Just a guy out there, not doing anything impactful, not necessarily hurting you too much, but they just look super ordinary. And that's not what you want to hear for guys that are competing to be a starting linebacker for a team that might have a chance to go win the Super Bowl this year. And so for Tyrell Dotson, I thought he had some miscalculations with angles and his overall impact was minimal. For A.J. Klein, what I can tell you about A.J. Klein is that he's where he's supposed to be, and I can appreciate that about him. But there's just athletic restrictions. They showed up a couple of times once he missed a tackle in space uh, on Anthony McFarland, and then the pass interference in the end zone. I mean, he's trying to cover this tight end, and he's tugging at the jersey, and then he can't get his head around, and he really invades the catch point before the ball gets there. And those are just the athletic restrictions that you have to deal with with A.J. Klein, and, and, and to an extent, Tyrell Dotson as well. And so the reality is, Hey, Klein's, it's great that he's in position and, and all that stuff, but there's just going to be times where physically he doesn't have the juice to be able to make the plays that you want him to. And so both players are, are just very, 
they're underwhelming options, right? Neither one of them looks to me like, oh yeah, that's your starter. That's a, that's a dude there in the middle that's going to make plays. That's going to be a, an enforcer on the second level. That's going to be a tone setter for the unit. I don't get that. I don't get that at all from either player. I will say that I think Dorian Williams was once again very impressive, probably the best linebacker on the field from the Bills' perspective, but you have to remember what he's doing out there is not the same as Tyrell Dotson and A.J. Klein. Dorian Williams is playing on the outside in a pursuit-style role. I mean, it's it's run and chase. It's see ball, get ball. He looks great doing it, right? He's an athlete. He's young. He's flying around. He's making tackles, but he's not doing the same thing that Klein and Dotson and, and Terrell Bernard, when they're in there, that's what they're doing. It's a very different role. And so I'm happy that he looks good in this pursuit-style role and, and in coverage, right? He's had some good coverage reps, and I feel good about him as a backup to Matt Milano, but I haven't seen him be tasked with what Klein and Dotson are being tasked with. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, why not, right? Put this guy out there. These other guys stink. This guy might be an answer. The Bills have obviously taken a different approach with it. And whether it's right or wrong, I mean, they started off, they drafted him, they said he's on the outside. Then you get to OTAs, he's playing on the inside. Then you get to, to camp and he's on back to the outside. I mean, they gave him this chance to run on the inside and they said, no, 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 we don't like that. We want him to start off on the outside. And so I think there's reasons for it. Um, and, and so I, I can understand how it could be frustrating to hear, hey, Dorian Williams looks good out there. And then he's not really in the mix to start at middle linebacker. They're, it's just not the same role. It's just very different. So I, I can appreciate what he's doing, but I can also recognize that, hey, it's not the same stuff. And, and there's no reason that, like you can't just assume that it's the same level of performance on the inside because there's just so much more that's on the plate of that player and stylistically a different, a different uh, job altogether. And then I would say Balen Spector and Tra- Travin Howard, they didn't get many reps at all. Um, so I didn't want to have too much of, of an opinion on either player because I think they played I me mean, Traven Howard like five or six reps, and I think Spectre like a 11, 12 reps, something like that, just not a lot of opportunity from either player. In the slot, I thought this was interesting, right, because Cam Lewis did play in this game, and so we've been trying to figure out, okay, well, who is Taron Johnson's backup in the slot? And so Cam Lewis plays in this game, and he played safety. He didn't play in the slot in this game. Saran Neal played in the slot. So whenever Taron Johnson came out, Saran Neal came in and played in the slot, and Cam Lewis was the deep safety while Saran Neal was in the slot. And so I don't know, maybe Saran Neal is the backup slot corner. And I'll tell you what, both of these guys played really well. Uh, Saran Neal had a couple of very good pass breakups. He had a couple of very good uh, tackles where um, it would be considered a stop, so they only were able to, re- to gain like 30% of the yards to go. Uh, for a first down, some good physical tackles. He did miss a tackle, but I thought his run fits overall and his coverage was pretty strong from Saran Neal in this game. And then Cam Lewis, uh, where he needed to be at safety, was able to fly in and make an impact from time to time as well. And so uh, both of those guys played well, but I, I remain confused as to, you know, is it as simple as Cam Lewis is a safety and Saran Neal's a slot corner? I don't know, right? I, I feel like the messaging at times, uh, doesn't really line up with that, but I wanted to at least note that here as part of our defensive takeaways. Let's talk about the cornerbacks, and I'll tell you what, Kyer Elam struggled. I know that we all want him to be the starter, uh, but I'll tell you what, he's not really making much of a case here in these two preseason games. Was extremely grabby in coverage. He conceded leverage on multiple occasions where he didn't have help. Uh, let guys cross his face and get, onside for, get inside for completions. 
He gave up a touchdown catch uh, to Hayward, who was just out, just out physicaled him uh, at the catch point. Uh, he would have given up another touchdown as well if not for the Kingsley Jonathan sack. He actually got twisted up pretty big time, and that receiver was wide open in the middle of the field after shaking loose of Kyer Elam. And so, whether it's uh, not trusting his technique in terms of the leverage of the defense and where he's supposed to be and what his landmarks are, but also some of his man coverage stuff was really rough as well, and he's extremely grabby, and I thought he deserved to get the penalties that were called on him and got twisted up in coverage a few times, and so uh, just didn't play well. And so if you think he should start, he has not outplayed Dane Jackson or Christian Benford so far this preseason. I thought even in this game, Benford and Jackson were both better and Jackson, he still is not playing that much. He only played seven reps against the Steelers. He played five against the Colts. I think they're pretty much saying, okay, this is Dane Jackson's job unless one of you two, Elam or Benford, can tell us that it shouldn't be. And I don't think that's happening. And I think that in terms of two preseason games, how well they've played, I think Dane Jackson's clearly number one. I think Christian Benford's clearly number two. Kyrie Elam's clearly number three. Probably not what you want to hear, but that's what the tape is telling me. Uh, last thing I want to cover here, well, I guess I have two things. The long touchdown run, right? Uh, I've got some people reach out to me saying, hey, the, the Bills, they, they can't stop the run. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. They had get, they got gashed on that one run, but I think uh, for the rest of the game, they gave up like 58 yards on 32 carries or something like that. Uh, so, the, yeah, they gave up the long one. It was disappointing, but the run defense overall was excellent in this football game. But let's talk about what did happen on the Jalen Warren 62-yard touchdown run. Uh, this starts off with Puna Ford. Puna Ford, he got reached block. And it's disappointing because he was, he was by alignment, he shouldn't have gotten reach blocked, but he did. And so because he got reach blocked and pinned inside, that created the first level uh, for Jalen Warren to get through. And then at the second level, Tyrell Dotson suddenly has to defend multiple gaps and unfortunately, he takes on the, the block from Siamalu um, with what turns out to be the wrong shoulder. And it's a very easy lane for Jalen Warren to take advantage of. And so it starts with Puna Ford getting reach blocked. And then I guess you can put some blame on Tyrell Dotson for not scraping over top of his block. But because of what Puna Ford did, he became responsible for more gaps. And you just had some bad fundamentals there from Puna Ford and then to Tyrell Dotson. So that's how the Bills got gashed on that long run. And then the last thing, and I probably should have said this much sooner because I think this is my biggest concern coming out of the game, was the pass rush just was not good enough. The Bills, whatever unit you want to point to, they just didn't do a good enough job of affecting any of the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks. Uh, Pittsburgh dropped back to pass 29 times. The Bills got pressure only seven times, just not good enough at all. And so I think for me, I come away most concerned with pass rush because I wanted to see uh, a better job by the Bills, especially against some of these reserves, right? You're seeing guys that are going to play snaps for you, guys like Boogie Basham, who I thought played pretty well in the game. Uh, you're seeing even like Shaq Lawson. Um, these guys just the, Kingsley Jonathan, I know he had a sack, and so good on him for that. But in totality, the the rush, the collective rush, did not do a good enough job of impacting uh, the Steelers quarterbacks. And again, I, I, I say that with the preseason lens on, look, nobody's game planning for anything. Nobody's watching tape. You're not aware of tendencies. You're just executing. Right. And so there's, there's a lot to be mindful of with that, but I wish the pass rush was more effective against Pittsburgh.
So you have it. My top takeaways from studying the film, we covered pass protection, the offensive rookie, some other offensive standout, defensive notes. Hopefully this was insightful. I love studying the tape. I love sharing these thoughts with you. So it's a lot of fun for me, and I hope it's also fun for you. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Would love it if you took a second to make sure that you are subscribed, that you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. All of that is so helpful. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.